Hi there. This is Janet Roper, your host for the True Kinship with Animals podcast. And I believe we all do better when all creatures do better. And I know that you believe that too, because that's why you're here and why you're listening. I'm all about building true kinship with our animal kin. And on this podcast, I talk about how our conventional bond with animals, for example, when we look at ourselves as the owners and they are the pets, how that conventional bond really differs from true kinship. On this podcast, you can expect to hear from the occasional guest, and weekly I share stories and suggestions to help you get started on that path to true kinship with animals. Today, let's explore more about animism. Let's take that deep dive. I'll share with you some ways it shows up in my life, which probably may not be the same way it is for you, and that is the beauty of animism. We are born into life inheriting our life lenses or perspectives from our family, friends, social media influences, societal systems, and our culture. In turn, those different lenses shape our values and influence our daily activities and connections. We tend to keep them because they were handed down to us. Often we don't examine them because they are laced with tradition, plus either spoken or unspoken expectations and mandates. Sometimes those lenses work for us, sometimes they don't. As we begin to change and get to know our own authentic wants, desires, and self better, it's common for our lenses to no longer serve us in the way they used to, or to change in some subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways. This can be a very uncomfortable time, and it leads to tweaking, altering, or even discarding our lenses. For example, growing up, I was taught to disrespect animals. I was taught to kick kick cats out of the way and yell and hit dogs. I did that because that was the lens I inherited from my extended family. And if you know me, you know I felt awful doing it, so I did it way less than half-heartedly. My kicks and blows were more of a, uh, a gentle nudge kind of thing. Still, being a kid, I went along with it because that was how my family rolled, and I was too young to recognize that that was not, air quotes, normal behavior. As an adult, I started making the necessary changes to grow into my authentic self, and I began to examine my inherited lenses. As I explored them and learned more about them and myself, I discovered a great number of lenses that I had and that I operated from were rooted in colonization and settler thinking. So it was time for me to do some serious house cleaning with my inherited lenses. That house cleaning was not a one and done thing. It still continues today and I consistently work on it because that's the beauty, again, about being aware of your lenses and animism. It is a constant change. It's not that one and done thing. So looking at those, at my lenses and deciding which ones were authentically helpful to me or were a part of me and which ones weren't and needed to be um, swept out of the front door, so to speak, that's what brought me to animism. My working definition of animism is it's an awareness of what is beyond myself, the belief that everything has a soul, is connected, and because of that connection, it is possible to be in true kinship with each other. 
As my friend, colleague, and mentor, Kelly Harrow, explains it, animism is considered to be the oldest religion, and it's a way that helps us experience the world that is greater than our own individual understanding and scope. Animism perceives all things, and by that I'm talking animals, plants, rocks, humans, rivers, weather systems, words, computers, cars, pencils, um, band-aids, everything, technology, as animated and alive. Being animated and alive means that each non-human being has its own agency or autonomy. That's a lot, right? When I first started thinking about it and um, attempting to live an animistic lifestyle, it just about broke my brain, simply because it was so dang different from those lenses that I inherited. What this means is that with each animal we encounter, and we're sticking to animals um, because this podcast is about animals. Yes, I know that animism applies to technology and all those wonderful things, but because the podcast is about animals, we're sticking to animals. So what that means for us um, is that when we encounter the animals, we have the potential to be in a reciprocal and respectful relationship, one that is based on true kinship rather than power over another, a relationship that recognizes and honors the agency of each species. So that's a bit of our deep dive. Um, I want you to stay tuned because we're going to take a short break. And when we return, we're going to be talking about human responsibility when it comes to animism. Welcome back. Let's add another layer to our animism deep dive, and that is the layer of human responsibility. I bet many of you, I'm going to go out on a limb as I say this, but I bet that many of you have seen memes floating around or have read something or seen something that says in effect that all horses, dogs, animals are therapy horses or dogs or animals. The majority are just freelancing. And I bet, going out on another limb, that it gives you warm fuzzies to think about that, that that just might be the case. Some animal is reaching out to you just to help you. How sweet is that? Because after all, isn't that our conventional thought about animals, that they are here to help us? So here's where reality sets in. And I want you to brace yourself, because I know this may not be music to your ears. But when I see memes like that or hear statements like that, that um, all animals are therapy animals and the majority are just freelancing, my response to that is, really? Are you sure? Because memes and statements like that, they're not true. They are written from the perspective of human entitlement and superiority placing people in a select position above the animals so that we humans are the ones being helped, the animals are the ones who are doing the helping. Memes such as that create a division and a hierarchy with people at the top of the hierarchical chain. With humans at the top, the natural result places the animal in an inferior position at the beck and call of human demands and desires. 
And I just want to say that that is our conventional thought. That is a blanket statement here, but that is the way the majority of us interact with animals, that they are here to help us. We are thinking that it is, um, we are accepting their help, that we are grateful to them, but still in all, that is not coming from an animistic perspective. Animism considers the animals as having their own agency, autonomy, and authority. And animals, animism considers all equal. So if you're coming from an animism perspective where all is equal, it's not that the humans are at the top of the um, hierarchical chain and the animals are inferior. It's about we're all at the same level and we each have our own agency. Yes, I know, there are animals who choose to work with humans. But this stems from a choice on their part, as well as a reciprocal, respectful relationship that has already been well-established and is regularly tended. When animals choose to work with us, to be with us in whatever way, okay, that is not the result of human entitlement. That is because of their agency in doing so. The thing about being together with an animal is that it's based on a relationship that's built over time. When I say time, I'm talking anything from months and possibly even years, and not simply three sightings of fox, or finding feathers when you're on a walk, or reading something or seeing a meme that declares all animals are whatever that blanket statement is. So for instance, the relationship I have with my angel horse Shiloh has been honed for over 20 years when he was in the physical. The time we are together now that he is an angel horse and in lifetimes that we were together before this one. So as I said, it's not a one and done thing. Animism is not a one and done thing. It is that constant, that daily nurturing and tending, which Shiloh and I have tended for, it seems in a good way, like forever. Being with an animal is not coming from a place of, you're mine, I choose you. I saw those five feathers you left for me, so I know that that message is for me, so I'm choosing you. But being with an animal um, is seeing if the animal is showing an interest in you and if you are compatible together. And again, that's not a one and done thing. That takes time. Should that be established over time, then you can take those first steps to tending and nurturing a mutual relationship. So I have some questions for you. I want you to think about when your heart goes pity pat, when you're looking at the meme or reading the statement or seeing the picture, you know, that just, it just gives you the warm fuzzies. What I want you to think about is do the warm fuzzies that you're experiencing are they expressed from the meme? Are you experiencing those because the meme is kind of um, pushing you in that direction? Or are you experiencing that because that is a lens that you use in your connection with animals and that lens is authentically yours? The other thing that you can do is um, 
check yourself whenever you're you see those messages that immediately send yourself to that warm fuzzies land and in checking yourself i want you to be aware and beware that one question any meme or statement that makes a blank blanket statement about all animals number two is question any meme or statement that presumes to speak for all animals but obviously the end result benefits only the people. So for instance, that one that I talked about at the beginning where, you know, all the animals um, are here as, um, what was it? All the animals are here um, as therapy animals. They're just freelancing. When you see a, a blanket statement like that, question it. Question it seriously. Where is that coming from? And one of the questions that I ask myself when I see something like that, and I tend to go to that warm fuzzies land, is, for instance, with horses. Is a horse that's been abused, are they here to help me? They have their own work to do, don't they? So I'm just asking you to be discerning when you're seeing um, information that's put out like that. The third thing that I'd like you to do is ask yourself a hard question. And that is, why am I assuming the animals are willing to do my work for me? Because as I said earlier, animism, it's not a one and done thing. It's a journey. It's looking at your lenses. It's um, knowing what lenses are authentically yours and which ones don't serve you anymore. And if we fall into that trap of thinking the animals are here to help us, then that means that we're relying on them to do our work instead of us looking at our lenses and doing our own house cleaning. So thank you so much for listening today. And if you've got any questions about the animism, what it is, how it shows up in your life, you know, leave a comment here on the show page. That would be really great. Many thanks for joining me today. If you liked what you have heard, you can support this podcast by making a financial contribution, by giving the show a like and a follow, and or by sharing this show with your friends and family. To make a financial contribution, visit my website at janetroper.com, where you will also be able to discover more about true kinship with animals. If you'd like to hang out on social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Janet Roper. Just for today, please remember, we all do better when all creatures do better. Until next week, take good care.